Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. This is the podcast. How uh, lucky am I to share space with such a legend, well, Kevin Hillier? Well, let's be Hillier. honest, you, didn't, so you weren't sharing space with me. Since the last uh, edition of this, I had COVID. So uh, we weren't allowed to share anything. No, we weren't. <laughs> but now we're back together. Now we are. It's a, it, As all good couples should be. I just did the world's biggest uh, shopping centre shop. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. Yes, but you love the supermarket, uh, no, and I people don't. in the supermarket love no, you. No, <laughs> they're attracted they to don't. you, and they're attracted to what you put in your trolley. <laughs> no. Come on, face it. You've had people examine your mini magnets. I had haven't another you? one today. Hmm. Why no? I had a bloke following me. You're a magnet. I thought I was in an episode of uh, Barnaby Joyce or Jones or whatever it is or, (laughs) you know, uh, the Rockford Files or something. (laughs) Honestly, this bloke was following me around. sure it wasn't an episode of Seinfeld? More like an episode of Stalkers R Us. <laughs> Every everywhere I turned around, this bloke was behind me, and mm. he was making it was just it was. Don't know what it is about you, Kevin. I don't something know irresistible. That's for sure. I, know, I, I I managed to shake him off in the dog food aisle. <laughs> 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 All right, we got a big show coming up. Massive show. Um, what a great guest we've got too. Eddie, oh, perfect. Yeah. Been excited about uh, having Eddie on the show, and he's very interesting. Like he does things. It's either zero or a hundred. If he's going to uh, approach something or a project, he does it one hundred percent, or he doesn't do it at all. And I love that work ethic. You'll know him from Offspring, where he played uh, Mick in Offspring. He was yeah. terrific in that. Uh, Shane Warne, the musical, which we'll talk to him about. Uh, he's about to star, of course, or he's starring at the moment in Nine, Nine to, five, to Five. But it's about to hit the uh, State Theatre at the Art Centre in <laughs> Melbourne. Uh, it's a great show, uh, based obviously on the Dolly Parton. Um, uh, uh, Movie. <laughs> yeah, movie and uh, and uh, Broadway show was yes. a massive Broadway hit. So Eddie's uh, coming up in just a few moments. And our food poll this week. Oh, we've gone junky. We've gone fast food. Controversy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm, it is. Maccas or KFC? <laughs> Which do you prefer? We will find out. But before we do all that, meet Eddie Perfect. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Eddie, it, it doesn't take uh, much digging around, I have to say, to find out that uh, you are not just a uh, a foodie. You're you're quite the passionate foodie. Yeah, um, yeah. I really like. Well, I, I mean, I guess I like eating and I like cooking. And what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> what other parts are there? I mean, that's sort of the whole, the entirety of it. I do. I really like food, and I always have liked food. And I grew up. My father was a sort of. Um, was the everyday cook in the house. And then um, my mum can also cook really well too, but she was sort of, you know, bring out the big dessert guns and special occasions. And um, so I'm the sort of, you know, I'm the, my wife can certainly cook, but I cook all the sort of the home meals. And um, uh, I, you know, I mostly really enjoy it and put quite a lot of effort into it. And it's, you know, it's probably my, I guess it's probably like my only hobby. <laughs> I don't really have many hobbies. I've sort of absorbed them all into my work, but this that's one where I don't like I, I like it because um it's a singular practice. You know, you get you know, you're just making this meal right now and um uh there's you know, you can kind of shut the world out as meditative in that respect. You love the whole experience of it. I mean a, a trip to the market for you. Now that's that's a real experience. 
I love to go to the market. I mean, I love just going to a, in, into any grocery store. I, mean, I really like grocery shopping. <laughs> Gee, wait, there's the headline. <laughs> I really like. I really like grocery. I do. I like. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, but I haven't been able to do that for a while. When you combine the pandemic with touring, it's been a while. But I do. Um, you know, I love the Queen Victoria markets. They're great. You know. Um, Go get a Borac and a really strong espresso, and um, and kind of see what is in season. You get a greater sense of what is actually happening in food production when you go to a market like Queen Vic than when you go to a, a grocery store, which is sort of like all things, all times of the year, and certainly the prices that give you any, any indication whether something's in or out of season. Um, so yeah, it's just to go. Oh, what, what what's that? There's a lot of that. That looks good. Let's make something with that. We just uh, touched there on the uh, the pandemic. I mean, it's been a hell of a last couple of years, and it's impact- impacted us all um, in in extreme and, and different ways. Uh, give us an overview of how uh, you managed and what the impact was like on you personally and professionally. Well, um, we were really fortunate that we were fortunate in a few respects. One was that um, we, were, we were living in New York when the pandemic was coming. Um, every day my wife and I was just sitting in a New York apartment and doom scroll reading as much as we could about this COVID-19 that was coming and whether it was going to come and whether it was going to be serious or not. But it certainly was um, an, quite a sharp escalation in New York and um, things started disappearing from shelves and um, it was sort of tense, you know. And in a city that where there are, you know, riots, if there was a blackout, I was a little worried about, where it was all going to end up. I mean, we all were. Um, we were already leaving to go back to, to come back to Australia because I'd signed on to do nine to five and because we felt like we'd sort of done our time in New York. We spent two years there and um, um, felt like we were missing home and wanted the girls to continue their schooling in Australia and all sort of stuff. So we'd already booked the removalists and packed up and given notice on the apartment. So um, we were really fortunate that we could get out of the country without having to scramble for that stuff because, you know, like removalists became really thin on the ground and hard to, you know, um, tie up loose ends, but we were already on that process. So we did, we were were very fortunate. And then, um, you know, Beetlejuice just started doing well in New York, the musical that I wrote that, um, the way it works with with um, getting paid as a person who's written a musical is you, you get paid a royalty, a percentage of um, ticket sales every sort of every sort of week, I guess. Ca- calculates it. and Beetlejuice has started to do well, and so we'd started getting um, that second year we'd started getting money, and so I had some savings in the bank. So we were really lucky that financially we weren't coming home with nothing in our pockets, um, uh, and we knew we got we weren't sure how long it was going to go for. But we knew kind of weather the storm, and then I had little bits of yeah, you know, little bits of jobs that kind of came in. There were online jobs, or you know, like um, teaching or mentoring, or um, but the but you know, so ultimately the headline was we were pretty um, lucky. But we did all the lockdowns in Melbourne, and um, <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely sucked. It was horrendous, even yeah, under those circumstances. Yeah, it was. It was, and, it, and I think it, you know that we still bear the you know Melbourne still bears the scars of that, and probably will. For quite a long time, um, 
because everybody in Melbourne knows that feeling of um, that very unique feeling of despair, like you're in some kind of social experiment where it's like, well, you know, I guess I'm physically okay and I've got a house over a roof over my head and my kids are healthy and they're still, you know, going to school even though it's online. Um, but yeah, when you remove the ability to plan or to hope or to dream or to socialise or to, you know, we came back to Australia with all of these, like, you know, with quite a lot of energy to reconnect with that community and we just kind of got the opposite of that disconnection and, you know, like just absolutely no planning and no time and, I don't know, like I just knocked the wind out of everybody's sails, mine included, and now I'm just trying to, um, like, just force myself back into the world, you know, yeah. force myself back into, um, it sounds like it's unpleasant. I mean, it is It is nice, but um got a little housebound there for a while <laughs> and um, trying to, you know, put energy into going out and seeing people and seeing shows and seeing stuff. And I'm just sort of taking it as it comes, like everyone else. So when it, when it, uh, the lockdown was happening and stuff, I've read that you threw yourself into the kitchen uh, and, and started to cook up a storm and, and got really heavily involved in stuff in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm a little extreme. I don't, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a moderator. I don't, I'm either all in on something or I'm all out. Like I really mm. am with everything, you know. Um, creativity, fitness, uh, food. Yeah, there was a while where I like was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to really focus on cooking and make good food, and then and you know involve the kids in that. And then it, and then I ran out of energy for that. <laughs> it became pretty functional again. But you know, um, yeah, it's kind of like you know, I go in and out, I go in and out of it. And I don't stress too much about it. I've always got to, you know, I've always got to cook for the family. So that's something that. Um, is an interesting job because you're taking into consideration what your kids and your wife and you like to eat. Um, and then you have to take into consideration what you'd like them to eat more of and then work out how to do that and to and to not get bored with the same meals over and over again and to introduce new things. It's like it's a it's a constant challenge. But um, you know, it's similar to writing commercial musical theater. It's like art with a deadline. <laughs> Best kind of art. And you're—you don't appear to be one, um, Eddie, who would, you know, slavishly follow a, a recipe. And you've also um, certain things you 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 just won't cook. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm not a—we're not big meat eaters in our house. We've had periods of being like really um, kind of strict vegetarian, but that sort of ch- sort of really changes all over the place. Um, I spent a long period of my life being. Uh, a real strict vegetarian, and now I don't really put. Uh, you know, I, we try not to. We try not to eat too much meat. That's what we try and do. And so, um, you know, I cook chicken for the kids and cook fish and stuff. But you know, not really a red meat person. Not really a pork person. Um, uh, and then you know, everything else is fair game, really. So, what's your go-to dish? What, what's your what's your? This is the one I nail every time. Um, well, if we're talking about like, you know, meals during the week, um, there's a lot of kind of like poke bowl vibes going on, you know, I mean, it's sort of like really a whole bunch of dishes and then, you know, um, either white or brown rice, you know, like I like the combination of, um, of different temperatures and different textures. So I, I love, 
uh, the combination of rice with salad, for example, whether that's like a leafy salad or a slaw, and then, you know, then we'll cook protein, whether that'll be like, you know, tofu or, um, you know, salmon or um, some chicken and then, um, you know, different vegetables and I just do them all individually and it depends on how much energy I've got as to how much is on the table and then people can kind of make up their own make up their own meals and like everyone else it's a negotiation you know there's one kid that eats too much rice and we police yeah. the rice and then you know that's sort of how it goes are you uh <laughs> are you are um adventurous as a as an eater um eddie i mean kevin here won't even touch tofu um <laughs> what are some of the stranger things that you've you've eaten oh i i would try i would i would try any i would try anything really yeah i'm i'm pretty open to it and i'm it's very rare that i'm like this is not good. Like the only, the only, um, yeah, no, I'm kind of into all things and I haven't really met too many things that I haven't, I haven't liked. I've eaten like insects and I had, I had um, fried grasshoppers in Cambodia. I, I didn't, um, I had a bit of spider. I had some of the legs of the spider, but I chickened out on the, on the, the abdomen, crunchy <laughs> abdomen bit. Um, but they were selling, you know, kind of fried spiders by the roadside in Cambodia. I found Cam- Cambodian food on the whole kind of hard to get behind. That everything is cooked with this sort of they, there's there's a smell. Basically, they catch fish and they dry them on racks all through throughout Cambodia. So there's just everywhere you go, every sort of town, there's these big wire racks with just like um, you know cleaned and gutted fish just sort of like, you know, um, splayed open and drying. And then they um, grind up, you know, like a mortar and pestle that dried fish with other spices. And then they, and then they fry that off in kind of vegetable oil in a wok. And that's the flavor base for a lot of their dishes. And it's really, it's it's a real acquired taste. It's very kind of like kind of pungent like imagine like a the funkiest fish sauce you can imagine through it through everything and it's yeah. quite a dominant so it doesn't matter what you eat it all tastes like that uh, a lot of it yeah uh. yeah yeah a lot of it um which is interesting because you know they're right bang in the middle of you know uh, laotian food and and um, um you know, there's thai food and vietnamese food. i mean they're in southeast asia it's but it's a very different very different flavor in cambodia so that, that was yeah, I don't know if that would be my. I don't know if I'd be rushing to a Cambodian restaurant, but then I may. I don't want to offend anyone. I may have not um, tried the good stuff, but um, you know, I kind of like eat. I'm pretty adventurous eater. Did yeah. you once eat half a pig's head because in an interview they asked you to? Is that is that right? Yeah. So that was with um, that was with Benjamin Law. Benjamin Law, the brilliant Jeno. writer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, he was interviewing me for the bulletin. It was for a play I'd written called The Beast, which was um, about oh. a real life experience I'd had living in the in the Yarra Valley, where um, uh, uh, ten couples had had um, jointly purchased a fourteen month Angus calf and then had it, you know, humanely slaughtered, and then everyone turned up to the butchering and chose the part of the oh. um, the calf they wanted to make a a, a dish with, and then. Uh, every couple went away and came back to this meal with 10 courses, a 10-course degustation thing called the Feast of the Beast, it was called. And it was a, it was a lot of, it was a lot. Um, uh, but, yes, um, the play was a, was about some sort of middle-class tree-changing couples who, who want to do this 
celebration of nose to tail eating. And then when the when the kind of butcher doesn't turn up, they decide to slaughter the calf himself and they totally botch it. And it's <laughs> horrific. Right. And, um, but, yeah, as part of the publicity, Ben Law's idea was to take us to um, – it was on – I don't know if it exists anymore. I can't remember the name of it. It was on Smith Street in Collingwood. It was mm. it was um, Chris Bradenock. Oh, yeah, 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 from MasterChef, the little bloke with the hat. Oh, Bradenock, yeah, yeah. 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 The, beer, the, beer, the beer guru. The beer guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of yeah, he had this dish. It was like literally a pig's head sawn, yeah. like insane, sawn down here in the middle, and then like laid oh. on the side. And they, um, I think they kind of confit it overnight for hours and hours and hours, and then they finished it off roasting it in the oven. And it's like it's it was, yeah, that was really like um, an intense, an intense experience. I, <laughs> I didn't feel great. Oh, no, it was vomit that. No. that was that's uh, you. You were you were ready to vomit, surely. I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't great. But there was like you know there was <laughs> it was more the advice on how to eat it. <laughs> oh, oh no! I mean, I was like, oh, you know, do anything. You know, we're publicising a place. Extreme is an extreme play, and what you know, why not? And uh, you know, I don't want to say no to an experience. But there's like you know. Um, all these different gelatinous weird yeah. bits, and uh, yeah. the gums and the you know the eyeballs and the yeah, yeah. the it's all. <sighs> well, it, it, it sounds like when you now that you mentioned Chris Badnock because nose to tail eating is something that he's uh, he's very serious uh, about, and uh, I guess well, I like uh, that idea. I mm. like that idea that you know, I mean, partly because I you know the cheaper cuts on on meat are kind of good for slow cooking and stuff, but also partly because I. The idea of just taking, you know, one constantly taking one prime cut of an animal and pretending the rest doesn't exist is pretty gross. Yeah, I think also it's a psychological aspect. If you've got half a a pig's head sitting on a plate, there, you we say that we eat with our eyes. So that might have been the uh, the initial term. We we ate eyes with our eyes. (laughs) It's also real, you know. It's also the truth too, you know. Like, um, I uh, yeah, like you know, like I said, I've you know, I've been in and out of um, vegetarianism for a long time, and I've stopped putting a label on it because it kind of got an it kind of got an annoying thing to discuss with people. Mm. It became, you know, like anything. Like whenever anyone does anything that um, that uh, is that comes from a, from an ethical place, it can be confronting to other people, and other people become defensive. And I just hated having those arguments with people who are like, you know. You, Oh, your belt's made of leather or, you know, they're trying to find inconsistencies. Well, defensive and also bordering on aggressive, isn't it, those sort of uh, discussions? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, like I don't I don't really want to join anyone's ideological club. I mm. have, you know, like I I think it's in, I think animal welfare is something that's important to me and also, you know, the environment's something that's important. And so, um, you know, this kind of absolutism stops people from reducing their meat intake which would actually make a huge amount of difference and i think you know um uh, th- that people should be encouraged to even just take one night off eating meat it make a huge it would make a huge difference you know and you don't have to join anyone's ideological club yeah. um mm. uh, and it and it makes a difference yeah now you're a melbourne boy eddie so uh you'd be more than familiar with the the coffee culture here and how we pride ourselves on having or well, we say we've got the best in Australia, uh, are you, you're clearly a coffee drinker because you said you like your espresso. Um, 
how much do you depend on it, uh, given your lifestyle and, and the demands of what you do? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't know whether it's got anything to do with the demands of my lifestyle, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I'm really into, I'm really into coffee. It's a super important part of my life. But having been from Melbourne, I, I usually, um, I usually speak about kind of coffee snobbery with a lot of derision and judgment. Um, I was like, bloody Melbourne coffee snob. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I don't love the kind of snobby culture. But then um, <laughs> I left Melbourne to go and go on tour, and I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> this Melbourne's coffee is better than everywhere else. It's, I mean, at least uh, as a means, you know, you can get a bad coffee in Melbourne, and you can get a good coffee everywhere else. But I tell you what, like your strike rate is a lot higher in in Melbourne, and um, I live in. Uh, Brunswick East and some mornings I can smell the roasting mm. coffee, which is a delightful <laughs> thing to wake up to. And, um, you know, uh, we've got a couple of cafes near us that we frequented every, it was the highlight of lockdown, wasn't it? Going to get a, I mean, that was the only thing. Yes. I mean, I'm glad that in closed coffee shops, as you know, the rest of Melbourne would have rioted. And, <laughs> uh, you know, like um, that became, you know, like a non-negotiable during, during lockdown, going, on drink a good coffee. And so, yeah, when I'm, you know, like even in Sydney, I missed it. I found it hard. I was staying in Bondi Beach and I tried, you know, lots of different places, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't the same. Melbourne really has amazing coffee. Oh, and you've been, uh, you've spent a period of time in the States, so you would maybe share the uh, the view that uh, American coffee is uh, really bad. Well, all the famous, uh, well, famous, but um, all the, you know, really well-regarded coffee shops in, in New York or Australian. Mm. Like, so there's um, Little Collins. There's um, one called uh, St Kilda. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the big kind of um, chain of coffee stores um, is called Bluestone Lane. You walk in there and it's full of photographs of Melbourne and yeah. Sydney and um they even serve Vegemite on toast. There. Oh. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> I had to give them some Australian tips on. Uh, I'm like, you need to just put the the Vegemite on the side. <laughs> they overdo it's it. It's a very personal thing. You're putting too much on, and it's like, how do, you know, you got to let people put their own Vegemite on. Yeah, absolutely. You got a sweet tooth? No, oh. no. But I do drink a lot of wine, so when I. <laughs> When I'm having time away from like often, like I say, I'm an extra. I'm all in or all out. Um, I'm not a good moderator. If I'm like, what? I'm not drinking any alcohol. I find myself, um, you know, gravitating towards sweets because there's a lot of. I guess there's a lot of sugar in wine. Mm. Yeah, not a not not a dessert guy. Never. I never at a restaurant am I like. I might go for some cheese, but I'm never going to go dessert really. There you go. Now, I don't know if they get told you this one, but we, we ask a guest on the program for you, having a dinner party at your place uh, and you're inviting anybody, anybody, dead or alive, who'd get to Guernsey on, on your table? Oh, um, well, to be honest, um, everyone would be, I think everyone would be alive. And my, <laughs> you know, like my ultimate dinner party would just, would just so my, my friends and, you know, colleagues who who I love, I just haven't been able to, I tried to throw a birthday party. I'm, I'm a December baby. I tried to throw a birthday party and um, 
my daughter got sent home from school on the day of my birthday party uh, as a close contact. Oh. So we, we were like, we took her to get a PCR test, but we weren't going to get the results until the next day. Mm. And everyone, and, you know, most people I know work in the arts or, you know, um, and they're, you know, they have gigs and they didn't want to be exposed yeah. to COVID. It's like a, an important time of the year. So I had to cancel the party. Yeah. I'd, just been, I'd just been to the market and I'd bought all this food. <laughs> So that was a bummer. So if I had to, if I was going to have a dinner party, I would, I would, you know, I would invite, I would invite my friends. I never get to put in the one room. I get like, you know, Dean Bryant, um, uh, um, who would I get? Casey Bonetto, Tim Minchin, Benjamin Northey is the associate conductor of the um, of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Ian Grandage, who's a great old mate, is now director of Perth Festival. Um, you know, all my friends that I never get to sort of see are certainly not in the one go and just magically transport them from wherever they are into one room. That would be delightful. Yeah. How's 9 to 5 going? Enjoying it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm for all the reasons that lockdown was difficult, um, 9 to 5 is the, the perfect antidote. It's a place I have to be at a certain time. It's like discipline and structure and people. Uh, people watching, but also people um, to work with and, you know, turn up and ask how their day was and, to you know, to be kind of like living in parallel lives and it's social and it's, um, and it's a, you know, it's a job too and, and the discipline of being able to, you know, reproduce the show eight times a week and for it to be a comedy where it's like, a, you know, the whole goal is to make people laugh. It's a great sense of um, connection all around and, um, the only negative has been being away from, you know, my wife and kids for so long. That's yeah. been that's been getting increasingly hard. But we're finishing in um, Brisbane on Saturday night, and so I'll be back in Melbourne, and we do the show in Melbourne for three months or something. So, um, really looking forward to being a dad and having a job at the same time. Wow! <laughs> hey, you, um, uh, your character is an interesting character, isn't it? I mean, it's a it's a throwback to a. To an era that just doesn't, uh, uh, that kind of person doesn't hopefully exist in the workplace anymore. Yeah, I think they do. I think he does. Mm. I think he does, but maybe not. Maybe he doesn't tick all the boxes that my character does. And I'm, I'm playing, you know, Franklin Hart Jr., who um, is, you know, yes, he's a, he's a misogynist and he definitely sexually harasses women in his workplace, but he's also like awful in other ways as well. Like he's, Incompetent. He sort of failed his way up into up into management. He's incompetent. He takes credit for other people's work. He talks over people. He's a he's a bully. Like he's really there's a there's a real three dimensional aspect to how awful he is. And I know that 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 guy, or at least aspects of that guy, still exist because you can tell by the way the audience reacts. It is like ugh, every every different moment, you know. Um, uh, the audience is like, yeah, we know, we know this guy. Yeah. So it's good. It's good because you know when I first started, I was like, well, this is confronting. You know, no mm. one's really liking me. Um, <laughs> but that's the whole point. You know, I'm the I'm the I'm the foil for these um, for musical, which is about three women, which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, three women played by Casey ben- Casey uh, Donovan, Erin um, Clare, and Marina Pryor. And they're just sensational as the sort of three leading ladies. And then um, 
Caroline and Connor are, and I are sort of supporting characters, and Caroline's great. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's actually kind of a it's got quite an old fashioned structure, even though it's a contemporary musical. It's very much got a musical comedy structure. Like everyone gets their moments. It's bright and fun and um, the musical numbers are really terrific. The, the plot is kind of insane. Um, and then there's that beautiful sort of final scene where you think it's going to go one way and there's a big sort of 180-degree flip and it all gets tied up in a neat bow. And I love those. I love those closing scenes where, you know, as an, you know, in the audience where you're like, feels like we should be coming to a, coming to a close now. But, geez, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of kind of loose ends to tie up, and then the and then the piece just goes, <laughs> just ties them all together. Yeah, uh, and you're like, oh great! I thought I was going to be trapped here for another fifteen. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're out. Well, nice role to get your teeth into. But- hey, can I ask uh, the Shane Warne musical? Have you been have you been uh, contacted or pressurised in any way about about doing something with that now since Shane's passing? Uh, n- no, 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 none of the, none of the above, but um. Uh, the the licensing rights, the amateur license rights, are available for Shane Warne the musical. So immediately after his passing, there were a lot of um, requests to do the show, which is which is great. And um, you know the fact that um, Shane himself was you know on board with the piece meant that I was you know really confident that, that the show, even though it you know, doesn't really pull any punches, um, and and you know. Um, it's certainly a, a comedy in itself. It, it is. It's a respectful one, and a, and a, and a um, and you know, written as a written as a tribute to a, a guy who's had a pretty incredible life. And so, I was confident that um, it would still hold after his his passing in a, in a respectful way. But we did want to kind of carve out um, time before people started performing. And again, I felt like greenlighting a whole lot of um, productions of Shane Warne the musical kind of in and around his um, uh, funeral service would be um, disrespectful just because, you know, you yeah. have to mark, you're, you're putting on a show, it's fine, but you also have to you also have to market it and I just didn't want that sort of communication mm. being out there and to look like we were taking advantage. But um, hopefully the interest is, is still there and um, I think it's a great way to pay tribute to somebody um, for a for a dramatic society to do a production of Shane Warne, the musical. There's been a few of them. Um, so that'll happen again. I don't know, you know, I, I never say never, but um, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, dyeing my hair blonde again and <laughs> and doing it. I think I'm a bit old for it now. <laughs> yeah. what, what else have you got coming yeah. up after 9 to 5? you got plans after that? Well, yeah, I want to really want to get back to writing full time. I very much have enjoyed the time away from it. I've still been writing bits and pieces here and there and, um, you know, wrote a, an opening number for ABC's 90th birthday celebrations, which was, which was really fun. But I'm writing um, a, a couple of musicals, one um, with a, um, an American book writer um, by the name of Robert Horn. We're writing a Christmas musical, which I'm really, really enjoying. I'm really excited about, and I'm very much, lagging behind in the writing department. He's he's churned out two brilliant drafts and I'm about five songs away from finishing the score. And then the plan is to try and find time next year to um, workshop that. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then I'm just sort of basically looking for other things to 
to write. I've got some people to write for, but no, not the idea yet, which is tricky. Well, we look forward to uh, to having you back in Melbourne, as I'm sure you are looking forward to coming back uh, to Melbourne. And just to finish up, uh, you're a pretty good person to ask this question. Would you have a, a cooking tip or a kitchen tip to share? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the best, the best cooking, both best re- recent cooking tips I've got from Adam Liao. Like he blo- he's blown my mind a few times. One of them was that you don't need to like s- soak or salt um, eggplant; just go for it. Oh, that was a, that was a big. That's one. good to know. That that was <laughs> that's really a pain. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, I don't know if I'd have anything wild to say that other people haven't already touched on. I mean. Um, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what my, I don't know what my tips are. Well, I guess philosophically I've been on the road and trying to feed myself and I hate it. I hate cooking for one, you know, one day maybe in the future, oh, if I was going to do a cookbook, it'd be like the lonely guy cookbook (laughs) or the lonely person. You know, the cooking for one, the, the loser's cookbook, <laughs> like how to, how to grocery shop for one, you know, like <laughs> and how to cook for one that's sort of funny and takes into account the fact that, you know, I don't know about other people, but I'm much more conscientious when it comes to serving my family. And, you know, I um, maybe that's the kind of maybe there's an ego in that, that there's an audience waiting at the end of it, but um, I'm much better at going that extra mile. But I think it's really important to <laughs> Lucy, my wife, always gives me shit. But I, you know, you cook with love. You like put a lot of love into it. And so when you're like, oh, do I need to is it worth putting that extra, you know, is it worth putting that extra flavor in there or making that extra dish or you know, like everything matters. Everything matters. And I think it's really important to um to put as much love and attention into into a, a dish because I think you really notice it. Um, that would be my only thing. I don't have any other. Like, <laughs> no, it's a, that's a, a very nice, very nice yep. way to, to look Perfect. at it. Very nice way to hit, walk in I mean, the you don't kitchen. want to hear a person tell you how to cook rice. I mean, everyone's got their own way of cooking, cooking rice. No, actually, but- I could do with a few hints on that uh, personally, but never mind. Could he what? <laughs> really? No good at rice? No, oh, sh- shocking at rice Rice or pasta. Or pasta. What? <laughs> Don't look at me like that, that Eddie. <laughs> Jeez, I'm not. Per- I'm, I'm yeah. close to perfect, but I'm not. You know, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I do it in a do rice in a saucepan. Although um, I've had rice cookers in the past, and they're great. You just get a rice cooker. Mm. He's got me. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> you. Yeah, I've got. I've got I'm, the, I'm the rice cooker. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, you turn it on, you forget about it. <laughs> hey, thanks so much uh, for your time. Really appreciate it. It's uh, been great to catch up and uh, and look forward to nine to five in Melbourne. It'll be fantastic. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. <laughs> nine to five, the musical, State Theatre, Arts Centre, Melbourne. Great show. What a cast. Ooh. Casey Donovan, Eddie Perfect. Oh, man. Some serious uh, vocal cords there. Oh, absolutely. And a very talented man. That, that Broadway stint that he had with the two shows on Broadway yeah. where he wrote uh, music for Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. King Kong. Uh, yeah, did very. he's done very well. Very clever. And uh, hope to. Oh, I'm interested to see what he'll do with Shane Warne, the musical. Thank you very much, Eddie, for being yes, with us. absolutely. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Ready for the food bites. Food, food bowl. bowl. Maccas. 
or KFC. Were you feeling particularly like toast hungover or something? Because that's generally when you think of these two things, no. it's because you've had a big night on the uh, – not you personally. No, I can't people, do that anymore. I'm too old for that. Most people have had a big night on the you-know-what and they're off. Don't know why. I've just noticed there seems to be a trend for people just loving – KFC or Maccas. Mm, well, it's it, never gone out of style. Let's find out. <laughs> Patricia, KFC. Sylvana, Maccas, if I have there to you choose. Go. Joylene, neither. Despise them. And I despise also Hungry Jack's. Subway is her go to. Okay. Terry Daniel said, look, uh, you open up a can of worms here, Food Bites. Yes. Well, 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 here oh, we go. Course. All the naysayers complaining about non healthy food and saying they never eat at Macca's. Sure. Yeah. I'll vote Macca's today instead of the dirty bird, <laughs> as my son calls it. <laughs> Don't mind uh, the old Hungry Jacks either. Uh, recently went there, had their pulled pork burger with a yummy sauce. A pulled pork burger? Yeah, they are all doing, they're all doing sort of arty farty things. Oh, and Wayne, our friend Wayne, said he loves that description of KFC. The so dirty dear. bird. <laughs> Mari says Maccas. Sue says KFC. Kerry Rodder, KFC takes the win because of their chips. Now, I figure this is going to be a, a running theme. It is. Uh, Sue Hosking says KFC, hands down, but I prefer Hungry Jacks. Love their flame grilled chicken burgers. Hmm. Rebecca Kane, I like the chips at KFC, uh, but they are different here, here being Thailand. Uh, not as good as the ones in Australia. Glenn Rodder says, okay, Pedro, if I must choose which one, I will say oh, Maccas. Maccas. Andy says, the Zinger Burger at KFC, yum. Judy <laughs> says, uh, Carl's Jr. is actually the best. It's just like, it's like walking into a... <laughs> we didn't give them that option, did we? <laughs> you know when the supermarket says five aisles or less? This is two aisles or less. Two items or less. One or two. Yeah. Sam Newman it depends if you've been out on the piss or not, he says. Uh, <laughs> for drunks hunger, it's Maccas. But a snack when moderately hungry, it's the Colonel. But peel the batter off and just eat the chicken. Oh, okay. There you go. Kate Stevenson says, don't judge me, Maccas all the way. No, we won't judge at all. And Dylan Leach says, KFC, zinger box. Enough said. Steve Bastoni gets way into this. <laughs> Bit of method acting here with Steve. It really depends. If you're starving, Maccas. If you want to savour <laughs> the flavour, KFC. But be prepared for the self-loathing <laughs> after the counter uh, and then counter that with good ice cream. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you are going to have regret, aren't you, by mm-hmm. a regret? Absolutely. Uh, Steve Ward says chips, uh, KFC chips are a clear wit- winner. And then Steve Bastoni's back and says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Macca's chips are the superior. Yeah, a lot of people prefer the really um, skinny French fries, yeah, especially the if they're strings. hot out of the fryer. Yeah, yeah, they have to be absolutely hot. Mr Coconut Curry, I love these handles. Just throwing it out there that the fillet of fish, fillet of fish, Fillet de la fish is hands down the best menu item from any fast food chain. Yeah, I think fish is a rather loosely used word there. Oh. Uh, Ash says KFC, but only for the hot and spicy, oh, otherwise it's they Maccas. They like those zingery things. Mm. Candace Wyatt says Maccas, a medium McChicken meal cures every hangover. Or a kid's meal with a cheeseburger if you're feeling healthy. Stephen Quartermain <laughs> says Maccas, but... KFC chips are better. Oh, croaky, my choice for this food poll is the one that arrived in Australia first, that being KFC in the glorious year that is 1968. Why was that long ago? Uh, Jane Barnes says, uh, a Big Mac with large fries, 
Obviously, where Jane and Jimmy live, there must be a lot of blue moons because <laughs> yes. she says once in a blue moon. <laughs> Why would you when they cook up the wonderful oh, things they do? Me. Greg Snake 405 says, uh, nothing wrong with a cheeseburger. I can only eat that now because my jaw won't open wide enough to put a bigger burger in my mouth. Yeah, and they've shrunk all the burgers too, uh, I reckon, every one of them. Michelle uh-huh. says, a bad experience with both. Hungry Jacks is the go. They have shrunk them. They're like those little slider burgers yeah, they you are. get. They are, actually. <laughs> no, you know, the, the Big Mac. Remember you used to – You mean the weenie, teeny, teeny, weenie size Mac? You used Mac. to get them in those massive um, polystyrene yeah. containers. <laughs> now yeah. they come in this box that's, uh, that well, fits in your hand. It actually fits in your hand it now. Does. It never did. It's not, it's not on. It's, no, un- it's un-Australian. Um, Michelle. Uh, did we say Michelle? Yes. Yeah. Which one? No, I said bad experience, Michelle. So <laughs> oh, the next one. The now. next one, Michelle Mostert, who's Chaz's yep. cousin. Uh, KFC. Nikki Elliott says, "Not if you put me on a stretching rack." <laughs> Joe Camerano, KFC. Uh, Elsa says, "Now, if you don't eat that sort of food very often, it actually makes you unwell when you do eat mm. it because the body is not used to it. At least that's what I found." It's interesting. Yeah. Jeff says, "Neither. We can make better birds." Burgers. Adam Liao has great recipes. And popcorn chicken, Donna Hay has the best recipe I've found there, uh, than what they produce. I've always found that the fast food on advertisements looks so much better than the fast food I actually get from their shop. I'm going to KFC <laughs> after the show. I'm going to pull up at the drive-thru and go, can I have the Donna Hay popcorn chicken? You reckon <laughs> yeah. I won't get a look? Uh, uh, or, or pull into Macca's, you know. Can I have the Adam Liao burger? <laughs> Not going to happen. Wayne Wayne. Says, Wayne says, I'm not a fan of either of these, to be honest, but the nature of my job involves lunch around midnight. So some days I'm well-versed in both of these. KFC is evil. <laughs> and Colonel Sanders should be tried at the International Court of Justice <gasps> in The Hague for crimes against humanity. <laughs> I would rather eat my own earwax. Oh. Uh, than the vile demon bird. He's gone demon bird. Anyway. <laughs> and we know how that tastes, don't we? Not the demon bird, the, the earwax. earwax. Uh, surely, or should I say, sanity left me recently and I veered away from the same path and went to KFC. Mm. Fair to come, the last time I saw a bird covered in that much oil <laughs> was in a Greenpeace film <laughs> about saving wildlife after the Exxon Valdez went amok. It was horrendous and I felt sick afterwards. <laughs> Yes. My first car was a 1970 HG Holden. He is going somewhere with this, trust me, with uh, knackered piston rings and it consumed less oil in the 18 months that I owned it than was in that meal that I had. (laughs) Every time I hit the throttle in that car, it poured blue smoke from the exhaust and after consuming KFC, I think I was doing the same. (laughs) The Golden Arches isn't fantastic but – it fills a hole, and at least Ronald is more trust is a more trustworthy clown than Sig and Zag. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Macca's has those magical pickles. You see, a lot of people are fascinated by the pickles, mm. and uh, Wayne says they're amazing. Plus, they're entertaining as they stick to the roof of the restaurant when you're on a drunken <laughs> fast food binge. You've done I those. never knew that until now. <laughs> so it's a win for McDonald's here. But I'd go Subway before either either of them any day. I love it, Wade. 50-50 split. Yeah? 50-50 split. Wow. When when you take all the ones that we got, and we got uh, literally another, you know, seven or eight pages of responses, and it is a 50-50 split. It's it's one of those things. (sighs) Overwhelming response. Well, there you go. Split down the middle. My personal vote is um, I'll go either, Mm. sometimes, not often, sometimes, 
and I'll regret it after every time. I quite like once upon a time Mac has had a uh, like a triple quarter pounder with <laughs> those oh, big those big that. beef patties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to quite like that. I like um, the McDonald's ice cream in the cone. Yeah, I don't I like that. that. And the um, hot apple pies at Mac's are quite nice too. No, I haven't had them for a long time. Yeah. I don't mind KFC too. The zinger stuff is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their nuggets are all right. I just don't like things shrinking down. If I'm going to have a, a feed and I'm going to have a blowout, I want big things, yes, not little bits. I agree. Totally agree. And they have shrunk down all the burgers and everything. It's all been shrunk down. I want down. it to last one more than one bite. Yeah, what do you want to feel? If you're going to feel sick, I want to feel really sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks uh, for uh, for taking part in our food poll. And sorry, deliver me week. my chips hot, please. I don't yes. want them cold. Yes, and that... When the McDonald's chips are really hot and straight out of the fryer, nothing they're great. better. They're great, and KFC chips are generally pretty good. Mm, but serve me a flaccid chip at your peril. <laughs> there's a coffee cup. <laughs> Don't you worry about all Wayne stuff. There's a coffee cup right there. Thanks for uh, listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Eddie Perfect. Don't forget catch him in nine to five. And uh, we look forward to your company again next time on Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks, legend. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.